0: Thank you for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. Um, and we are back for another Holy Week. One year ago, we had a Holy Week episode. And so we want to do another Holy Week episode. It's going to be very different from last the last time. I think last time we got super into the gospel and very into the Passion of the Christ video. Um, this one, we're going to talk about a little bit of everything, hopefully bring you into moments of prayer. Um, but we want to do a recap of Lent. Talk a little bit about Cobra Kai. What the heck does that have to do with Lent? <laughs> we're going to <Yeah>. tell you. <laughs> what does that have to do with
1: Holy Week? What that's does that? Ha- yeah,
0: yeah. What does that have to do with Holy Week? And then we're going to lead you in um, a meditative prayer. With Mary and through the Sorrowful Mysteries to really prepare us this Holy Week for what we're going to experience on Good Friday and Easter. So we're really excited. It's kind of a different episode, a little bit of a hodgepodge, but I think we're excited for it. So I'm going to hand it over to Fred because this was his idea. So I told him, all right, you're going to guide it.
1: ouch she just called me out in front of everybody no, that, no that's not a bad thing oh, okay, i thought it was gotcha. a good idea
0: otherwise i wouldn't i wouldn't oh okay be doing gotcha. it.
1: okay so you're saying it's a good thing i was gonna say well if this fails it's no all no, no okay good good all right so kara i feel like a recurring theme for my Lent, and i've been honest about it i we had a blog we talked about it on the podcast kara i feel like i haven't done Lent well yeah which is ironic since we started we Lent. did a whole
0: episode <laughs> About, <laughs> about not to doing do Lent, well. How to so, do Lent well. Yeah, yeah
1: so it's kind of funny. Um, but I feel like Lent has been a bit of a struggle for me this year. Uh, not necessarily any reason in particular. Some of it, honestly, I think is me being too hard on myself. Mm-hmm. And maybe some listeners can relate to that. But I think it was one of those Lents where I tried to do more than was reasonable. Right. Uh, we just had a baby. Mm-hmm. Like at the start of Lent was baby Francis coming, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And everything that comes with that. So I spent a lot of Lent just being hard on myself. Um, But at the same time, I think my biggest takeaway this Lent has been realizing how much I can't do in my own strength. Mm -hmm. How much I need the Lord and how much more I need to grow. And how much I'm never going to be able to be a better version of myself.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Without God. Without God.
1: Like, I have to be more like Christ. I have to allow Christ to do the work in me. And I think my biggest takeaway, Kara, this Lent has been, I want to be holy. I want to be a saint. Whatever that means, whatever the cost, but I need to be patient with myself Mm because I'm a work in progress. Yeah. So flipping that on its end, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, your turn now, (laughs) Kara. What are some things you feel like the Lord has put on your heart this Lent.
0: i feel like it's a loaded question because like i haven't shared what i did for Lent, and i feel like that's going to be a different question so um i feel like one thing honestly though that has been placed on my heart a lot has been abraham um and i don't it has absolutely nothing to do with with what i gave up for Lent. Mm-hmm. absolutely nothing i don't know should i should i share like kind of the backstory of that i guess
1: i think that's fine
0: okay yeah. all mm-hmm. right so i guess um Like I had kind of gone through this phase with God where like there was a lot of reminding of something that he told me 10 years ago. And then there was a very long series of like consolations and affirmations that like, yes, that was a promise. And yes, it's going to come to fruition. And so in my mind, I've just kind of like placed it on the shelf or I guess like kind of like Mary pondered it in my heart for, you know, 10 years. And in my mind, I just kept going back to Abraham and I was like, God, please don't let me be like Abraham. And my thought there was like, Abraham got a promise. He was told he was going to have a son through his, who, through his wife. Mm-hmm. She was super old. So that wasn't happening. He didn't believe her. You know, he had relations with Hagar and then had Ishmael. And then scripture literally says, And 13 years later, God spoke Mm -hmm. to him. So my mind, I was like, please don't let me be like Abraham. Like, please don't let me take this into my own hands, mess it up, not trust in you, and then not hear from you for years. Mm -hmm. And so that was like before Lent. Um, And then throughout all of Lent, it's just been like a series of bringing Abraham up in the opposite way. Because in my mind, I saw him as like, in the ways that he failed, But God was showing me like, no, he's the father of your faith. Of course, he he did not fail. Like, of course, you want to be like him, Kara. And it was like I heard homily after homily about Abraham. How many homilies do you just randomly hear about Abraham? I mean, zero, unless the scripture reading is about Abraham. And I just kept hearing scripture readings about Abraham And then even today, like I'm in a book study with a few friends. And even today, within the reading of the chapter we were supposed to read, it was talking about Abraham and his faith Uh and like, you know, his willingness to sacrifice Isaac. And then I was preparing for a talk on virtues and the catechism literally says, hope like Abraham. And I just like froze on those words. I was like, what, what? (laughs) So throughout all of Lent, again, has nothing to do with what I gave up for Lent, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like. Like God has kind of been reversing my prayer request because for so, so many months I was like, God, please don't let me be like Abraham. But now he's just been revealing the ways that like Abraham was so faithful and so virtuous that now it's like, I want to be like Abraham. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of, one of the biggest like spiritual fruits I think that the Lord has placed on my heart that I wasn't prepared for and wasn't actually asking for. (laughs) So that was, that was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kara, I think I can relate to that because I guess that's kind of what I mean. I'm beating around the bush or, a lot, but the consolations that I've seen this Lent haven't really been directly related to anything I've given up or right. anything I've done. Right? It's, it's those kind of situations. And Kara, we actually, maybe we can share the story another day, but um, I think that's kind of a shared consolation we had, that Hebrews 11. Yeah. If you haven't read Hebrews 11... challenge you to go read it like to to read like what faith actually is Mm -hmm. and what it means to step out in faith and to trust the lord despite the circumstances right
0: i love the part about abraham in hebrews 11 because it focuses so much on like he trusted the lord and never saw the promise come to fruition he died before any like anything remotely close to that promise came to fruition so i love that and it was that's very much been um been the theme is like, how much do you actually trust me? How much mm-hmm. do you actually have faith in me? Um, and just kind of challenging, challenging me in that through, you know, the father of our faith. So that's been, I, I've been very appreciative of that.
1: Yeah. Just to step out and not know where you are going. Exactly. That's incredible. Or
0: when the promise will happen. Right. Yeah.
1: The other day, uh, April 10th, I think that was, that was Sunday was the anniversary of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's. Mm-hmm. He was killed uh, in, a, in, in Auschwitz, actually. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, incredible teacher of the faith. He was a Lutheran, but he stood up to Hitler. He was brave. He was courageous in that way. And he has some pretty powerful quotes that, and I think he had one that actually came up in my memories that stood out to me. It kind of related to what you're, what you're saying. God says, discipleship is not limited to what you can comprehend. It must transcend all comprehension. Plunge into the deep waters beyond your own comprehension. And I will help you to comprehend even as I do. Bewilderment is the true comprehension. No doubt Abraham was bewildered Mm -hmm. by what the Lord was saying. Not to know where you are going is the true knowledge. Abraham certainly Mm -hmm. did not know where he was going. And yet he went.
0: I like that it's relating that to discipleship because obviously I think the disciples had moments where like they had faith, but moments where they didn't have faith. And when, when you think about that, like Jesus said, come follow me. They had no idea where they were going. Right. So mm-hmm. I like that like discipleship is not knowing where you're going.
1: Right. And Lord, where out shall we go? Yeah. You alone have the words of life. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Think about it. Mm.
0: Do you want like I know you s- say in a few episodes you don't always tell people what you gave up. Like do you want to talk about that at all and like why you chose that or not? I'm totally fine sharing mine, but
1: I probably won't share what I gave up this Lent, but would you mind, Kara, sharing what you gave up and maybe yeah. what that experience was?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I actually chose to give up watching TV. Um, I think I said in a different episode that I did that last year, but I didn't do it last year during Lent. I did it last year for like maybe a few weeks just because I felt like um, God was kind of placing that, that discipline like on my heart at that point. But honestly, it was really hard. Um, Very similar to like what you you're saying, like, I just felt like (laughs) I didn't do Lent well. And, you know, Mm. I kind of I kind of felt the same way. Like, I just I don't know if you're not intentional with Lent. Does that make your Lent poor? You know what I mean? Mm. Or does that make it less fruitful? And I just felt like it was very hard to be intentional about that, because honestly, I have not been sick in four years. Like Mm -hmm. I don't really get sick, but then we like lock ourselves away for two years in COVID. And so my immune system is not good. Mm -hmm. And so I got way more sick um, just over the last four months, but especially during Lent and like, what do you do when you're sick? Right. So it was a rough one because I think there were probably like 10 out of the 40 days where I 100% watched TV, even Mm -hmm. though that's what I gave up. And I think it was like, it was really hard because the hardest day to pick back up on your Lenten sacrifice is the day that you mess it up. Right. Is the day after the that. Day you, after. Yeah, yeah, the day after you mess it up. And so after that, like I would just try the next day to like get to mass or to get to confession if that's something that I needed. Because it was like, okay, God, I can't do this without your grace. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like even in the midst of like turning the TV on, I would hear God or maybe my angel saying like, you don't need to do that. And I'd be like, I'm going to anyway. So like intentionally right? ignoring, yeah. you know, God's promptings. I was like, yeah, God, I definitely need some of your grace <laughs> to do this one. Right. Um, so it was actually really hard. But I want to read just um, a really quick passage that I found in... Okay, so we've had Sonia on here several mm-hmm. times, but it's from her book, Just Rest. And that's the book that I'm going through with my small group right now. And I read this and it kind of struck me. And it, it basically said uh, on one of the questions, she's talking about resting in your body and resting in your soul and what that looks like in keeping keeping a Sabbath. But the question was, what rest are we missing because we're sleeping? And I just like pause on that. And that seems like a really weird question. Like how can you miss rest when you're sleeping because all you're like that you're resting. Mm-hmm. What do you, what does that even mean? And I just like in her, in her um, explanation of it and in her narrative, she's talking about the rest that God sends us like his dew. you know, being able to wake up and start the morning with him or, or sitting and watching a sunrise or like actually physically seeing the dew on the ground and like what before anybody can see it or, whatever that might be in your life. And so it's like what rest, meaning like what gifts from God, are we missing because we're sleeping? And for me, I didn't relate it to sleeping. I related it a lot to Lent because for me, I was missing a lot because my face was buried in my phone streaming something. And so like that was kind of how I took that question. What rest, what moments from God, what things like I'm supposed to learn from other people am I missing? Because I'm sitting here watching TV and that was really like the push for why I wanted to give that up this Lent. But what I found, and this, I feel like this added to making it a lot harder. <laughs> what I found was that if I wasn't watching TV throughout the whole week on Sundays, I did. Not not because mm-hmm. Sundays don't count in the 40 days, um, but because I also wanted to try and make like the Sabbath an actual day of rest. And so then I would watch TV on Sundays and then it was like I had to catch up on the binging shows that I didn't watch all week. Mm -hmm. So so like I remember one of them very early on in Lent was like my daughter wanted. She's like, Mom, will you come play this matching memory game with me? And my first instinct is to be like, maybe later. Why? Because I am selfishly resting Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like watching TV because that's my day to do it is, is on a Sunday. But I feel like as. Lent has kind of gone on. One of the fruits of giving this up, even though it has been harder, um, is really seeing like the limit of it, especially on Sundays. It's like, okay, I don't need to catch up on all of those shows. Mm -hmm. And like, like yesterday we spent all day, you know, doing stuff as a family. And I taught Clara how to play go fish and then like baked banana bread. And like, those are things that bring a lot, a lot more rest and you know, there was still the occasional like TV on, but it wasn't like I just sat all day and like caught up. And so I think one of the fruits for me was just realizing the ways that like I was missing God and the moments he was trying to send me through the moments that I was missing with my family. And so I would say that's probably one of the fruits specific to the Lenten sacrifice that I, I think that the Lord sent was just you know, spend that intentional time with your family Mm -hmm. and say yes when your kids ask you to play a (laughs) game. Right. Yeah. What was one of your fruits, Fred, from Lent, even though it was hard? Like, was there something that really stood out to you?
1: Um, Kara, I think a lot of it was similar to what you already articulated. I think the the importance of having faith and continuing to move forward uh, with things you feel like the Lord has spoken to your heart and putting first things first. I think that kind of summarizes it similar to you, of wanting to spend that time with the family. I don't know. One of my struggles I had uh, this Lent was also feeling like I wasn't very good at being a Catholic dad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean, which is a constant struggle. I've talked about that before. I think any Catholic dad that's trying to live the faith well and is honest can relate to that. But then one day I get a, a text from my wife and all the family's preparing to go to confession and our three-year-old is sitting here in the chapel writing her sins because mm-hmm. she wants to go to confession too and it's little things like that that i think were the fruit of my land right of, <laughs> i'm a good dad yeah, of those little <laughs> graces of yeah. gosh despite the fact that i wasn't too happy when my son threw up right all over the floor right the very next day my daughter, three-year-old, is wanting to go to confession. Right. You know, it, it's those little things. It's right. like, okay, I messed up here. gotta need your grace there. But clearly this over here is working, and I know that's your grace too. And I'm just going to trust in you. Mm-hmm. I'm a work in progress, Lord. I think that's been one of my takeaways.
0: Who's the one who tells you you're not enough, Fred?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shut him up. Yeah, shut him up. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Kira, I think with that has come, like I said, that desire to be to be a saint, mm-hmm. to be holy. I'm still processing this, right. but it's been one of my takeaways. This Lent has been, I don't want anything else but to be holy. I right. really don't want anything else but to be a saint. Um, death right. before sin, right. no matter the cost.
0: Right. I think it's easy to say, like, we are made for heaven. We're made to be saints. But, like, what does that actually look lived out, especially lived out in this world? So, yeah, just like. Growing in that desire, right? Yeah,
1: Kara, you got feisty about this. The confirmation retreat we did, I got really feisty the other day.
0: (laughs) I did. Am I supposed to share what? It was it. It was an
1: invitation because I kind of like feisty Kara, so I I don't know know if anyone else does though. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I did get feisty, and I don't know. I just I had to trust that it wasn't feistiness for feistiness' sake, and it was actually like Mm -hmm. something that they needed to hear. But just kind of kind of asking them like do you believe that you are meant to be a saint and kind of pointing them pointing them to like what does that actually mean lived out because it's super easy for us this is getting way off of lenten topics but it's super easy for us to think like well i'm a good person and so i'll go to heaven but the difference between you know going to hell which is a total reality you know being a good person or being a saint is really that like that yes to get back up and that call, like, yes, I want to be a saint. I have that desire to be a saint. And like, even where you're at now, especially if you're listening and and you're like, okay, I don't even know where to start with that because I don't go to mass. I'm not even Catholic. I don't, I haven't gone to confession in years, wherever you're at in your life. um, I think the biggest step is just the next step, which is what you said, like was one of your fruits of Lent, just kind of keep moving forward and taking that Mm -hmm. next step. And that's really like, That was really kind of I'm way less feisty right now than I was with a group of teenagers. But that's really the difference between, you know, being just a good person and being a saint who is preparing themselves for heaven is is taking that next step, Mm. whatever it might be, and doing what God's asking of you.
1: I think she's saving all of her feistiness for our upcoming episode Mm -hmm. at some point called Be a Saint or Go to Hell. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Don't even tell them what it is. It's <laughs> supposed to be a surprise. We came up. We came up with this great title. We were like, "Oh, that's gotta be the title."
1: <laughs> I love it. So
0: that's hilarious. Okay. Well, talking about giving up TV and also being terrible at giving up TV. So on the Sundays when I would watch <laughs> it, uh, that's how I got through Cobra Kai, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and finished all four seasons of Cobra Kai. Yes. So we wanted to talk a little bit about kind of some of those things that you could gauge and learn from. The show Cobra Kai. Um, first, I will say I told Fred I have to do this caveat because my husband would sit there and like watch some of the shows with me, and like he would make fun of the dialogue because it's a like it's a cheesy karate show with sometimes cheesy dialogue. Yeah. I absolutely loved the plot. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved how they like tied in the old movies and really made you like care about the characters and what was going on. But there were some moments where it's like. I'm going to meet you outside in the parking lot and uh, kick yeah, you butt, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever it was.
1: Still much better than the average action movie yeah. though, I will say, but especially yeah. in terms of character development. But yeah, you're right. It's funny that that was your Lent binge because yeah. I remember our first Lent episode we did with Matt Leonard. Mm-hmm. I remember talking about how I burned through yeah. four seasons in five days right? and uh, that there was some value in that. So, uh, but you're right. Yeah, there are. It's not perfect. I mean, second or third episode in, you, you see um, some gr- graffiti painted on a billboard yeah. and you realize, oh, this is not a family show. Right. right. Yeah. The
0: ra- And the rating changes like to in one yeah. of the seasons uh, to yeah. more mature. So in the, in the early end, it's TV
1: 14. And by the end, it's TV MA, if yeah. I remember right. Right. But all that aside and the fact that there's no way anyone can get a black belt in a year. I'm mm-hmm. just going to throw that out there. Uh from scratch to black belt. Maybe uh, somebody
0: could but not Dwight Schrute. Yeah, it's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. So uh so there is some suspension of disbelief that's needed. But as you said, there is a there's a lot of good stuff in it. I th- I see the gospel um in a lot of ways in it. I think um Carol one thing that stands out to me with really all the characters is that things aren't always as easy or simple as they seem. Like that very unlikable person, that mm-hmm. very just downright hateful person, there's more behind that than it may seem. And I think it requires a getting to know them, trying our best to love them, trying to understand where they're coming
0: from. But it takes a while to do that, like trying your best to love them. Like you could be I feel like there's probably going to be spoilers here. We should maybe say that spoilers if Uh you are going to going to watch it at any point. Um, But I feel like as an audience member, it really takes you through that roller coaster of like, wow, I really don't like this character to then seeing like what's actually going on with them or seeing like moments where, you know, they have contrition or whatever. And you're like, oh, you know, now now you actually like want right. them a, a part of what's going on, and
1: yeah, I think Johnny Lawrence especially. Yeah, I but loved him right off the bat. Yeah, I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. Say. yeah, I did too. Like he's he's likable mm-hmm. much more than in the original movie. Yeah, you know, it's well, of wild. course,
0: he's the bully in the original movie. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, is he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We we'll have to debate about <laughs> According that. According to him, he's not. <laughs> <that, but. laughs> yeah, um, but then like as as the story goes on through the seasons, you start to realize why he was the way he was, and then I think in a certain way there's there's aspects of Johnny's story that we can all relate to mm-hmm. or at least be sympathetic toward and then we see where he where he where he is and why he's there and by the end of it you see wow he just needs a second chance mm-hmm. sometimes a third chance and yeah. a fourth chance but
0: which i find ironic because one thing i will say is like all of the characters kind of go through this like circular experience their with who they are like sometimes you love them sometimes they do something that really makes you mad at them mm-hmm. some you know and i feel like one of the one of the characters daniel russo like he always says that he always says you know you know i, th- I believe in second chances i think people m- deserve a second chance but it takes him so long mm-hmm. to give that to johnny especially johnny especially yeah. johnny like he holds him to like a higher standard or you know You know, he gives him an inch and then like immediately backtracks a mile, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I see that a lot.
1: Yeah. Uh, Another thing I think you can see clearly is the danger in bitterness and unforgiveness and Mm -hmm. and hanging on to grudges. Because going back to the first point about why people do the things they do, it's oftentimes because they need healing in certain areas of their life. But hanging on to bitterness and, and grudges never brings that healing you know, it only makes it worse. It's like pouring salt on the wound, if you will, Mm -hmm. or poisoning the well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you can see that in some of the characters having anger that just goes completely unchecked. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tori comes to mind. Right. Tori has had a very rough life. Mm -hmm. And how she's responded to that is in anger toward those who she feels... Have had a better
0: granted that's the way that the karate place you know dojo she's at is like making her use that but i definitely agree even i think you even see it with johnny the main character like for how many years he's holding on to this grudge right exactly from daniel of taking his high school girlfriend and then it's not until you know he meets miguel and miguel like really invites him into his life that like Uh that kind of is redeemed and he you know and he experiences that like healing from anger yeah, because he's yeah. put to a purpose. Yep,
1: I think also um, you see in this the danger of as as parents as adults, like if we don't deal with our baggage, if we don't deal with unforgiveness and grudges, we leave a bigger mess for our kids to clean up, mm-hmm. and it gets much worse. And you see that this problem continues to escalate. Um, and what something that shouldn't be taken that seriously, a high school karate a high school karate, karate, tournament, karate tournament. Let's be clear about this. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> becomes this Hatfields and McCoys feud where yeah. people are getting seriously hurt and it seems ridiculous, but it's it's continuing to feed that hatred for generations.
0: So question, because we said we want to talk about Cobra Kai and like what it has to do with Holy Week and what it, what it had to do with Lent. So what do you think that Cobra Kai in this discussion has to do with entering into Holy Week?
1: Redemption. Yeah, I think that's the. You mentioned how their every character has this circular. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the exact phrase you used, but every character seems to have a redemption arc of sorts. Yeah, for the most part, at least the main characters, where they go from being in a place where they're completely unlikable. Yep. And they they are not someone you would want. Right. In your life.
0: Like they're drowning in their anger, or their alcoholism, w- or right. whatever that right. sin is. Yeah. Right.
1: Or even. Just completely lost, you know? But as you go through, they're changed. They're transformed. And I think that's the work of grace. That's what grace does to us. Because just like them, we're apart from God. We're Mm -hmm. drowning in our anger. We're we're lost. We're holding on to grudges. We're holding on to unforgiveness. We're thinking we have to be great in the world's Mm -hmm. estimation.
0: But I think they're changed because like getting with the theme of redemption they're changed because somebody else for was forgiving to them. Like Mm -hmm. I just see that with Johnny and Miguel coming in and, and knowing who he is and knowing like, you know, he's, he's an angry grumpy guy Mm -hmm. and just like calling him to something more or with Robbie and like Daniel just invests in this really troubled kid who dropped out of school and you just see him like giving him another shot even with Tori and I forget I forget Daniel's wife what her name is um, Samantha's mom
1: Mrs. LaRusso Mrs.
0: LaRusso um, even with Tori who like bullied her daughter and like you know she was in the hospital because of because of this karate fight that they were in and Mm -hmm. and her mom just hears her backstory and like wants to extend a hand of help you know Tori's obviously very Like slow to accept that help Mm -hmm. Um, but just like I think the redemption comes in their circular character arcs because somebody forgave them and gave them that shot
1: yeah absolutely for Johnny uh, as soon as you said Johnny especially first thing that came to mind was yeah uh, Miguel and his mother and his mom Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Something about the son and the mother, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it definitely is so relatable for Holy Week because that's exactly what we're looking forward to. Like all of us go through that. How many times are you just like drowned in a sin or an addiction or a darkness and like it keeps coming back up and God keeps forgiving you for it. And then you move forward and it comes up again and God forgives you and you move forward. It just continues to happen. But like that's what we are looking forward to in Christ's crucifixion and especially in his resurrection like he makes us new
1: yeah you can continue to beat yourself up right. for losing the 1984 all valley right. karate tournament <laughs>
0: or having a bad lent Fred. or having a bad lent <laughs>
1: yeah or you can do what saints do and get back up yep by the grace and power of god at work in you mm-hmm. with stubborn holy stubbornness mm-hmm. i should say
0: and keep moving forward yep so take that into this Holy Week. Take that into Good Friday uh, and Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday. So we just want to encourage you. You don't have to watch Cobra Kai and take that into Holy Week, but definitely take that message of redemption and and looking looking for that in your own life.
1: On the note of being saved by a boy and his mother, mm-hmm. you have a great reflection on the Sorrowful Mysteries for Holy Week. Kara, would you share that with all of our listeners?
0: Sure, I can do that. So I actually wrote this talk Um I wrote this talk a while ago where I talked about Mary's yes and what her fiat really was and how it wasn't just one fiat, but um, several that led to so much suffering in her life. And so... Um, This reflection came to me that was really just walking through the Sorrowful Mysteries, but from the eyes of Mary. So if you want to join me in this reflection, um, if you're not driving, feel free to close your eyes. Or if you're not out walking or for a run or something, feel free to close your eyes um, and walk through the Paschal Mystery with us. You find yourself alone in a wooded area. While walking along a path, far off, you see an outline of a man. He is hunched over in a place they call Gethsemane. He appears to be praying, almost crying out. Behind you, you hear people approaching, so you hide. You see angry faces pass, walking straight for the man praying. Someone kisses him, and then the crowd begins dragging him off. They're bringing him your way. You stay hidden out of fear, and as they pass you... The eyes of the man meet yours. You recognize your Lord. It is Jesus. Without hesitation, you run to tell others that Jesus has been taken. You run to Mary, his mother. You see fear in her eyes as if she already anticipates what is happening to her son. Together, you go to Jesus. You see others yelling at him kicking him, shouting lies about crimes he has committed as they bring him to Pontius Pilate. You look to Mary and see her hurt at the way others treat her son. As you stand in the crowd, you hear Pontius Pilate order Jesus to be scourged as guards drag him away. You both run to the pillar, pushing your way through the crowd of spectators cheering for the torture of Jesus. There, in the middle of the court, he lies, half-naked, bloody. The guards laugh with each other as they take turns beating him. You look over to Mary, and you see tears in her eyes and blood on her face. As flesh rips from her son's bones, blood splatters to his mother. She doesn't flinch. She only watches with sorrow as they continue to curse and torture her son. Together you watch as the guards carry off the limp and pained body of Christ. As the spectators disperse, you look to Mary, but she isn't there. Searching, you see her on her knees at the pillar. She's using her own robe to wipe up the blood of her son. You see the care she takes to clean up his blood. The blood he freely spills because of the sins of her spiritual children. It's so clear that she knows how precious it is. You kneel to help, but seeing so much red, smelling the sweat of the guards from their effort with the whip, wondering how Jesus is still alive. You can't bring yourself to begin to wash the blood. You look at Mary with love and admiration as she soaks up the blood of her son. What strength. You hear that Pilate has ordered the crucifixion of Jesus, so you begin to walk to Golgotha and get caught in the crowd in Jerusalem. They're all taunting, screaming, spitting at Jesus as he carries the instrument of his death atop blood-stained shoulders. He falls. He looks in your direction, but he isn't looking at you. He's looking at Mary standing next to you. You see their eyes meet, and it's as if Mary exudes her strength to her son. He sees her and begins to get up. He doesn't waver in determination, even though he knows the destination will bring death. His figure fades in the distance as you continue walking with his mother. You pass pilgrims on the outskirts of Jerusalem. All are shaken to see the man they welcomed as King and Messiah with palms, now marching to his death. As you approach Golgotha, you witness Jesus, nailed to the cross, being lifted high for all travelers to see and mock. He's in pain but through the blood, you see him look to heaven. It's as though he is lifting every person who has ever lived and will ever live up to God in prayer. You look to Mary, you see pain in her eyes at the sight of her son on a cross, but there's something else in her eyes. What is it? It's love. She looks at her son, with love but it's as if she is looking at the whole world with love she endures great pain out of love for all those Jesus is praying for all he is dying for Mary walks to the cross Jesus speaks to his mother you can't hear but you know there's meaning in the words they exchange and then he dies You watch a guard stab his side and water flow forth. After the crowd has left, others take Jesus' body off the cross and lay him in the arms of his mother. Mary weeps while holding her grown son, covered in blood with the bruises and cuts of the entire world, dead in her arms. You look to her with admiration because of her strength, you realize that in watching her son's persecution, torture, and death, that she too was tortured. She too was pierced. Then, in that moment, it's as though God himself shines a light on the ground on Mary holding her dead son. And amidst many emotions, you feel hope. Hope of your salvation because of the death of your Lord and the hope of a mother. So as we enter into Holy Week and as we look forward to the resurrection on Easter, have hope.